Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's voice and how to listen, a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. I do believe that, you know, I probably had some missed opportunities in terms of when people, you know, presented a certain darkness to me in the newsroom that maybe I should have stood up for God's agenda. Stay tuned to hear more on Cindy's discussion about being a journalist and a Christian in the newsroom. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. This is Journalists Advancing Ministry, a new multimedia podcast about media professionals called to kingdom work. We explore their paths to ministry from media and ask the question, are journalists particularly suited for this? I'm your host, Yvette Walker, a former full-time journalist. Join me as we talk to reporters, editors, and other journalists who've answered the call of ministry. Hi, everyone. Today's episode gives me joy. It's a special episode of Journalists Advancing Ministry with my good friend, Cindy LeFevre-Yorks. I started the jam.online because as a former journalist, I know I wrestled with my faith and my job. But I'm seeing more journalists turn to ministry, and I think that is a good thing. I still believe in the importance of journalism, and that's why I teach my students about it. But I know God created communicators to give Him glory, and former journalists like Cindy and me are doing this. Here's Cindy. Cindy, hi. How are you? Good, Yvette. How are you? Well, so good. Thank you for being on this new podcast, Journalists Advancing Ministry. Um, it's something that has been on my heart, and I'm so glad that you are one a, one of the early one of the <laughs> early guests on the show. And today, I definitely want to talk to you about your faith walk, uh, your journalism background, and how that might have impacted your faith walk, uh, and just get to know you a little bit better. So Cindy LeFevre Yorks, you are a an author of Adora Devotional Trilogy, which is amazing, by the way. Oh, and we'll talk you. more about that. You're a blogger and you're a podcaster. Um, so how'd you get involved? How'd you start? Um, how'd you start the podcast? Well, so that was really kind. I was I'm an accidental podcaster, is what I usually tell people. I felt like there were things I wanted to accomplish that didn't fit into the genres that I was already entrenched in. <clears throat> and so as a result of that, I got to thinking, you know, is this an area I want to explore? And I'm, I'm kind of adventurous, I suppose, in some ways. I'm not necessarily one to jump out of an airplane, but if there's something that I want to do that stretches the boundaries of communication in terms of how I can express myself and, and impact others, I'm all for it. 
And I felt like it may be not as true now as even it was a year ago, but when I first started podcasting, I felt like it was kind of wild west. You know, I mean, I, I felt like there was a lot of things that were untried and, and I feel too that, and I, I'm curious to find out if you, um, if you concur, it seems like there aren't as many rules or restrictions, you know, I mean, in journalism, we, we both know there's all sorts of rules. Of course, <laughs> I'm not sure how much people pay attention to those anymore, but back in the day, you know, you couldn't have your opinion inserted unless it was a editorial and, and those kinds of things. But when it comes to podcasting, I find myself constantly asking, well, you know, do I need to do this? I need to do that. And, and nine times out of 10, the response is you can do whatever you want. And I just love that liberation in terms of the structure that, you know, you can have a, a show that can educate people or inspire people. And my podcast, um, his GPS for your SOS is intended to be very short and super inspirational. And I mean, I suppose there is an element of teaching, but I'm hoping like you who have started a second podcast, I'd really like to start a podcast about evangelism and how to tell your testimony and not make it be your father's Oldsmobile. I think some testimony structures now need to be revisited because of the kinds of attention spans that younger people have and the way that we can get people to be excited about, you know, why we love Jesus and what that looks like in our life. Instead of I was born in, you know, 19, blah, blah, blah. And this is, you know, every minutia and detail, people don't need to hear that. They want to find out what changed your life and how they can want what you're having. I feel. Well, okay, listeners, that's a first, because that's the first I've heard of this, of, of your new idea. I'm very excited about that, that idea, and I want to be on your show, because I do believe that testimonies are so important, and I think there's a whole group of people, myself included, who are just beginning to understand what their testimonies are. And actually, that's what I've been talking about and, and, and writing about most recently. So yes, when you do that, I am all on board. That's really interesting. I just want to back a little bit because I like what you said and I don't know if I even knew it until now and I have a little aha moment that you know really when we compose and tell our testimonies it does help clarify for us too and that's kind of a neat added bonus I suppose to the um, arrangement. Absolutely absolutely I mean I've been mulling mine over for years and only recently I begin he's been he's been feeding the pieces to me and just my human brain is just taking a while to figure it out right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. I love that. So uh, you're a former journalist, just like I am, and you're an author. And your book series is so clever. You're talking about the doors. And I, 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 always, I always miss one, but the trap door and the vault door. And what's the one I'm missing? I always miss one. The side door is the first one. The so, side door, yes. Uh, well, the idea there is you're walking along and, and all of a sudden you're getting ushered into another a detour, if you will. And you're like, well, wait a minute, this wasn't really part of my game plan. And, and, and the side door can be a lot of things. It can be something that, you know, God has orchestrated for your refinement or development, but it can also be, you know, the result of a bad choice or something that happened to you that you're going to kind of have to go in, in a different way or out a different way or however you want to look at it into an area that you didn't really anticipate that you'd ever go in. And my personal side door was autism. We adopted a, a, a child, um, my son, Max, he's 22 now, and he's severely autistic. And that was a side door that I didn't expect. And um, so that was kind of what gave me the idea for the book. And mm -hmm. back when I first started that, I, when that idea was first birthed, if you will, I said to myself, 
when I went to the bookstore, I'm like, and, and this isn't really true anymore, but at least for me that day, going in the bookstore, trying to find a book that was really honest and open about, you know, experiencing pain and clinging to God and his truths and promises. I just didn't really find the right book. And I mean, I do have those books now, honestly, but at the time I felt the Lord saying, I, that's because I want you to write that book. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that uh, you've had moments like that too, in your ministry where you're like, Oh no, no, no. I want to be the recipient of all this knowledge. I don't want to have to walk the the road that's, you know, um, paved with landmines. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the books are beautiful. I love the covers and I, you know, and I, and I'm going to veer back into journalism. I really do think it's your journalism background that makes them um, as readable as they are. Um, tell us about the next two books, the trap door and then the vault door. So we, so we, so we know your impetus in the side door. Then, then how'd you come with the other books? Well, the trap door, that's an interesting personal journey too, but just uh, kind of to summarize what that was all about you know, you're walking along and it seems like the primrose path and all is well with the world. And you feel like you're, you know, right on God's railroad track and nothing's going to stop you. And then all of a sudden the bottom falls out and that could be, you know, an illness like cancer or a divorce, or, you know, there's all kinds of um, trap doors that we can fall through. And, and sometimes like the side door, those trap doors can be of our own making too, but sometimes they're not. I mean, someone in, important in your life could die. A friend of mine, she was in her early fifties and her husband just went on for a run, came in and died right in the, you know, entryway. And no one, I mean, he was like the picture of health and I mean, those kinds of things happen to people. And, you know, that's a trap door that she never thought she'd have to be falling through. And, uh, and I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people listening. They've, they've had their trap doors. And, and, and my favorite thing to say about the trap door is um, I fell through a little trap door uh, when I was writing the jacket copy Um, I had a spirit of arrogance and I did not have a a spirit of humility that the Lord has really been working very hard um, on my character development with that because I said to myself, oh, isn't it so wonderful that, you know, I'm, I don't have any trap doors and I'm through the side door and now I can help other people. And, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you about about a hundred pegs now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, boy. I, and then I was so glad to write the vault door, which is all the securing of God's truths and promises, because I'm like, this is what I'm really up for right now. And of course, I wrote that during COVID. And I just felt like, you know, that was the only way those were our life rafts, weren't they? I mean, yes, all that isolation and loneliness. And I mean, even with people that have people in the house, you know, if you're a, I'm an extrovert, and I really missed, you know, my sisters in Christ and my Bible study and all those machinations uh, that were so helpful to encourage and uplift. And I felt really adrift in a lot of ways. But I mean, I suppose I did have a Romans eight twenty eight outcome because that was the time that I needed to really start my podcast. And mm-hmm. and so that that turned. I love how God, you know, turned it around for me. Oh, and I think for a lot of people, I started, you know, I started my podcast during COVID. I think COVID was an opportunity for a lot of people to sit down for a minute and say, hey, uh, I could do this. Because I've been thinking about podcasts for a while. There was all these things that got in the way. Then there was nothing that got in the way and you could just do it. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. 
So let's talk about your your journalism background because you're a communicator. You are a communicator of of God's truths, of his promises, of of everything that he gives to us and the gifts he's given you, the gift of being able to write, the gift of being able to speak. You're using that in his glory, in his honor. And I feel like I'm trying to do the same thing. But oh, absolutely you do. There were times, there were years when I had not come to this understanding that I could do this when I was in the full throes of journalism, that that was not possible for me. So I, and that's really one of the reasons why, you know, this podcast has been born. So let's talk a little bit about your journalism background. Where'd you get started? Where have you worked? And also your faith walk along that way. Well, I I hope it's okay to kind of, you know, uh, turn what you said on a dime a little bit, just to kind of I'll give you my background in a minute, but when, when you actually phrased that question, I had a kind of an interesting word picture that the Lord gave me and it, it actually happened to me today. Um, I went out on my little boat. It's just a tiny little boat. If a golf cart and a boat had a baby, it's what they would make and I can drive it. <laughs> and I love it. It's a very tiny little boat. And I went out with a girlfriend and I just had this window of time, which turned out to be a little longer than I thought it would be. But anyway, uh, I had my foot in the boat you know, getting into it. And my other foot was on the dock and somehow the line, which is the ropes is, and they call them lines, but it, it didn't get pulled in. The boat didn't get pulled in tight enough to the dock. And I started, I thought I would fall into the water. I really did. And I was, you know, kind of like doing the splits cheerleader style. And I thought, am I going to make it here? And these, these two people, actually these good Samaritan sailors came up and I mean, they weren't really sailors, but they they pulled me in and they helped me get into the boat. And they said, oh, you know, I think whoever, you know, tied your lines, they they didn't get the boat close enough to the dock. And I just was thinking about, you know, when you said about journalism, you know, we're trained to be a certain kind of a communicator, to be not objective and to report, you know, news. And I had to write all kinds of stories in my, I had to write a suicide story when I lived in Plano, when all those suicides were going on in Texas, you might remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a drug epidemic there and, and that was probably the hardest story I ever wrote. Uh, and then I would do a story that was, you know, kind of fun and benign, like, you know, food stories. And, um, you know, I even wrote some fun columns where I, you know, it was an experiential column where you were like going to be a sumo wrestler and you put on a suit and you wrestled people. I mean, so I kind of ran the gamut, but I think, you know, I, I can tell, and I, I'm not sure if this is quite what you meant, but I, it's, I kind of am intuiting from you that it's difficult to be a journalist and a Christian. And I know in my newsroom, I was really the only one. And I'll even, you know, be as bold as to say that I was probably more of a lukewarm Christian then because of my desire to fit in with the others. And I, I, you know, if, if I'm allowed to have a regret and I, I don't really believe in regrets because I think the Lord gives us such abundant grace, it might be that, you know, and I did, you know, they kind of said, oh, Cindy's the Christian one. And, and they kind of patronized me and I sort of let them, you know, and I, I guess maybe I wish I would have said, you know, I, I have a peace that passes all understanding that you don't really have. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of them have gone, I mean, out here in Los Angeles, people have gone on to great success. And some of the people I worked with, you know, ended up at Esquire and, you know, the New York Daily News and some really big newspapers and, and even, you know, writing Hollywood scripts or whatever, you know, very high profile. But, you know, I just always, you know, I, the ones I'm in touch with, I can see that 
you know, a, a lot of them are pretty goofed up. <laughs> And they need Jesus. And, you know, I mean, I guess it's my bad. I didn't try to, you know, help them see that need more. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. One of those things. So true. Um, so uh, you, if people get to get to journalism lots of different ways, but um, I think you went to a college where you uh, either majored or minored in a communication role. Is that right? And then went on. So tell us about how you got started. Oh, yes. I, I remember now you did ask me that, didn't you? <laughs> I get excited about the high concepts and I forget about like the the, the uh, framework. Uh, I actually worked on the high school paper, the Wildcat Tales, and I was the entertainment editor. And that was really fun. And that and I had some great journalism teachers. And honestly, one of them was so encouraging. And I still have the paper from eighth grade where she wrote, consider journalism too for next year. It's just so amazing what a little encouragement can do for someone. I felt like she believed in me. And I was just so excited about that. So I ended up doing that. And then, of course, when I left high school, I went to um, college. I went to SMU, Southern Methodist University in Dallas. And I had a different dream. Well, actually, I started out being a a broadcast major because I thought I might want to be Jane Pauley. That really didn't last very long. And it's ironic, too, because one of the reasons I dropped out of that program is because of all the technology. And here I am now, you know, um, setting up a studio in my home mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to learn it all. Uh, and even when I started my podcast, I farmed all that out. So I'm, God does have quite the sense of humor. But anyway, then um, I thought I might want to be a literary agent. So I majored in English and I wrote this really awful uh, novel, which was just a diatribe of all my problems in college. And that was part of the, you know, requirements for graduation. And I think I might have that behind me here, but it's probably more fireplace. What's, what's the name of the book? <laughs> I don't know if I even remember that. Isn't that funny? I don't think I remember the name. Um, but at any rate, uh, then I realized I, unless you're Jackie Onassis, you're not going to get publishing jobs in New York or, or unless maybe you're the star of the help, right? <laughs> I mean, I guess that she did manage that. Good for her. <laughs> But it wasn't happening for me. I mailed out 80 letters to New York and, and one person said, you can stop by if you happen to be in town. And that was like the best letter I got. Wow. So, yeah, it's okay. Um, anyway, then I actually ended up working in Plano at the little paper there, which I told you I wrote all kinds of stories there. And then I uh, ended up going to law school with my husband. We got married in 80, excuse me, 1983. And then we went down to Houston and I worked at both of the papers there eventually. And I was a freelancer at the Houston Post and then went to the Chronicle and got hired away and got a full-time job, which I really needed because I was kind of the only breadwinner during law school. <laughs> and then in 1987, the LA Daily News called and said, we want you to come out here and interview for, for that job. And that was an interesting day when I told my husband after he'd taken the bar in the state of Texas, we could move to California if you want. <laughs> They don't have any reciprocity for all of the licensing. And so he had to take the bar all over again, but we didn't have any children and, you know, we didn't have a piano or a house or a bunch of furniture. We're like, you know, we're just going to go for it. So we did. So then we moved to California. I mean, it was just crazy really. And so we've been here ever since then. And then I worked at the LA times and I worked at people magazine. I had all sorts of little freelancing gigs and, and then I became a mom of special needs child. And it was really pretty difficult to work. So I kind of didn't write for maybe 15 years, except at community Bible study. 
And that's where I learned the framework of writing a devotional. And I just had such a heart for that. And I, I, I'm so grateful that I was, I just love how the Lord puts us exactly where he wants us to help us, you know, gain new skills. And then I just felt, and I'm sure this resonates with you, Yvette, because of all the work that you do, where the Lord is like, I'm ready for you to impart the good news now. <laughs> you know? You've already done like the bad news or the sad news. And, and of course, we are still in a swirl of disturbing news today. But we really can, you know, as encouragers and as sisters in Christ to really, you know, join together to try to help people to, you know, be encouraged that, you know, this is the dot and not the dash and that we're going to go on to a beautiful eternal life. And we just need to lean into those truths and promises. And I just want to do whatever I can to help people to see that silver lining because I feel like it's more needed than ever. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned earlier when you were talking about writing for your book jacket that, um, you know, you needed to be, that God wanted to humble you, that you needed to be humbled a little bit, you know, um, and then you just mentioned that you got a call from the, from the, uh, the, the daily news to, to ask you to, to apply or to interview. And, you know, as journalists, when we get phone calls from other newspapers that say they're interested in us, it is, I mean, it, you just feel so good about that. You feel like you just, I mean, you feel, oh, I'm so proud. Right. And so, and for many people, I believe that you just don't want to screw that up. I mean, you want, I mean, you know, you don't want to go on to the next level of journalism. You want to keep moving up. You want to keep advancing in your career, not necessarily thinking about Jesus or thinking about how that's going to impact your faith life at all. Um, and I don't know about you, but I didn't, I didn't pray before I made every job decision that I made. I just saw, oh, that's it's a stepping stone. That's that's the next thing I'm going to, because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, when you're when you're a young journalist and you're moving up. Well, and you know, my faith walk is more of a magnet to steal. I think, you know, I love to hear the stories of people that you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm really exaggerating now, just for purposes of making my point. But you know. I lived in the gutter and, you know, now I, you know, pastor of this mega church. I mean, I do think it's great. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I, I think that my walk was more subtle. And so even though I was a Christ follower when I was at the Daily News, you know, I my faith walk was very immature. And it had, it had to do with a lot of things, honestly. And I think one of the biggest things is my faith tradition, my previous faith tradition. You know, I was actually talking to some ladies. Um, I went on a spiritual retreat over the weekend. And I said, yeah, I used to go to a casserole church. <laughs> That's kind of what I, I referred to my oh, faith. I made that up. I mean, I, to me, and, and here's why. Actually, in one of my books, I describe kind of one of the big pivotal moments of my life in my faith walk. I was 10 years old. I went to Christian day school. So, I mean, I had all the background. We studied religion like, you know, three hours a day probably. And, you know, went to chapel every week. And, and I mean, I love that. I have great memories of that. So when I say casserole church, I hope everyone you know, can take it with, you know, the spirit that it's intended. But all these ladies really were in the gym with their casseroles and they were singing. And there's this old time hymn, and I don't, you know, how famous it is in other, you know, uh, faith traditions, but it was called, you know, um, Here I Am, Send Me. And it's based on the Isaiah verse. And I hate to say, I can't remember the exact reference, but I, I know you know that verse where he says, I, I want to be the one to go. Here I am, Lord, you know, send me. Yeah. And yeah. all I could think to myself was, 
how come these ladies are in the casserole mode in the gym and they're not really going out and they're, no one's really sending them. And, you know, I get it now. I mean, obviously they had little kids and they're not going to be, you know, necessarily going off to, you know, to Africa to, to, you know, start missions there. And that was really before too, uh, the nature of those short-term mission trips was as popular as they are now. But at any rate, it just, I mean, I still remembered that, you know, all these years later and, uh, it's just so ironic because I actually did end up going to Africa, but that's because I, I left my casserole church. So anyway, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I, when, when I adopted my special needs child, I got invited to a, a Bible study that I'd never been in, in an environment like that. It's a non-denominational Bible study, and I'm still in it to this day, community Bible study, and people from all different denominations, and they were singing praise and worship music like I'd never heard before. And I'd never been around that environment where people were so on fire for the Lord and so transparent about what they were going through. And really, it was those people and those mentors that really changed my life. And I couldn't tell you the day or the moment or the time, but being around them, and even now, even after this weekend of being around them still, some of those same people, you know, was really life-changing for me. And, And that's another reason why I think as a communicator, I'm, I feel so compelled to reach out to find other people like me and, you know, to de-tuna casserole them. <laughs> <laughs> was there a time, because, I mean, there was for me, was there a time when you, when you realized that you were a great communicator, you were a good writer, you're a good speaker, and maybe you could use this for the church or for him? Did that ever happen to you? Well, I, if- okay. yeah. So I kind of did, maybe didn't finish my story a little bit when I wrote, you know, my first devotional for that Bible study. So some of these devotionals, you know, people just read out of a book, but at our uh, particular study in Orange, California, the bar is pretty high. People actually work, you know, like we signed up for them over the weekend for the 30 weeks and people, you know, they really already know what they're going to say. And, you know, they they look up scripture and reference and, and you know, they really put their heart into it. And they're, you know, they're difficult to write. Sometimes they're even embarrassing to say, you know, some of the stuff that we go through, right? And, right. and that's part of what, you know, God calls us to transparency so that others can come up higher and us as well, right? Uh, but anyway, what, I wrote a few of those and people were really, you know, touched by them and also very clarifying for me to write. And one of the early ones that I did that really gave me that feeling that you're describing is, uh, you know, I had a moment with my special needs child when he was diagnosed with autism at age two. I was by myself for that diagnostic. And we walked outside and it was kind of a chilly California day and the breeze was blowing. And we were standing on this little grassy knoll. And just as the enemy does, he puts the most horrible thoughts into our head that sometimes we're afraid to confess. And the, the thought that went through my head that day was, you know, let go of his hand and you won't have to take care of him anymore. Because I had seen with my older child, he's adopted also, but he just had some mild ADHD, but I took him to speech therapy and I saw the kind of kids that he was going to be like. And I knew exactly, well, maybe not exactly, but I had a pretty clear, you know, idea about what my future was going to be like. And it was scary to me. And so, you know, for that millisecond, when your blood runs cold and your heart stops and the breeze feels like it's going to take all your hair off your head. You know, I was like, 
am I going to really let go of his Hamill? Of course, I'm not going to, you know, for one thing, he's going to end up on a milk carton and that's not really going to work. And also just the fact that I loved him and, you know, I'd been caring for him since he was a baby. And of course, I'm not going to do that. But that is the kind of stuff that is really, it's tough to convey, but there is liberation in the confession. And then people know that you're, you know, willing to go out there, that you're really real and that you're able to say, you know what, these are the things that happen. And instead of like you shoving it under the rug and, you know, coming to Bible study with your starched shirt and, you know, not just pretending like everything's okay all the time, it's just not genuine. And once you're able to convey that kind of stuff in your writing, then people trust you and want to hear what you have to say. And, and I try to be that good conduit for God's truths and promises and to admit that I'm a flawed person and I make mistakes and, you know, that's just part of growing. And I, I saw something and I wish I could, I'm going to botch this a little bit, but it was such a wonderful quote. It basically said something like, if you're not embarrassed about the person you were last year, you're not really growing. And I try to remind myself of that because I can be embarrassed a lot. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We're a work in progress till the last breath we draw. Right. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, um, you know, as a, as a journalist, you're supposed to be objective. You're supposed to, to not put your opinion or point of view into anything. There's no agenda, which of course is impossible, right? We know that because we're humans, but we try, we're trained to do that. So that's what we try to do. I had a really interesting conversation with my students and I said, you know what? That's a whole nother class time. We'll get to it. But some, but somebody asked, what's up with this whole objectivity thing anyway? This generation that I'm teaching now, they are very different. These, these young journalists, they are very different than you and I are, even though they're being trained the same way. They're very are they? Are they being trained the same way? Well, <laughs> as, 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 far as, as far as understanding the importance of journalism ethics and of storytelling and of making sure that all sides of the story get told and leave your bias out of it as much as possible. I mean, those foundational things, I think they are. But maybe that's because you're the teacher. <laughs> well, okay, that's what I try to do. But identity is so important for this generation, more so, I think, than previous generations. For me, when I was coming up, if you asked me to describe myself, I probably would have done it this way. I probably would have said, I'm black, a journalist, and a woman. I probably really? would have. Yeah, yeah, journal- yeah, journalism was more important than other parts of my identity to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that's not, that is not true, certainly for, you know, the students that I'm talking to. So my question to you, and maybe that's just me, and maybe that's it's just... It's so interesting to me. I, yeah. Wow, okay. Because that, to me, that's like a, that's like a pinky nail of the entire hand of who you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know that. But when I was in, and I call it the full throes of journalism, where I was trying to get ahead, and I was trying to, you know... Uh, move into newsroom leadership. I mean, when I was really trying to get there, yes, that was a huge part of, of, of my identity. Um, but I guess the question I think that these students today have, and the question I want to ask you is, um, is objectivity as important as we've always been taught to believe? And, and in the regards of, should we be somehow spreading the word of Jesus Christ more, more nationally, even in the work that we do. 
that's probably maybe not possible in some newsrooms, uh, in many newsrooms. That might not be possible in most newsrooms. I, I would mean, say, our- mo- I, yes, most newsrooms, it would not be possible. But is that something we should do? Well, okay. So I want to, I'm super excited to tackle one of the topics she brought up because, as you know, I live out here in California and I, so <laughs> we subscribe to uh, three newspapers, which is rare. And there's nobody on our street that even gets the paper. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, last time I looked, even the New York Times has uh, like a million two, I think, subscribers and LA Times has 600,000 or something. I mean, it's unbelievable for a city our size, right? Mm-hmm, so right. a lot of people don't get the paper, sadly. Um, we also get the Wall Street Journal. And then uh, on Sunday, I get the New York Times, but I only get the LA Times every day. And yeah. I mean, I only get the New York Times once a week. Yeah. But so my husband jokingly calls uh, the New York Times, you know, Communist Times East. And he, <laughs> and then the, the Los Angeles Times is the Communist Times West. So you can edit this out if you feel compelled, but I, I no. want to tell you about it because so that I actually read an editorial and I'm not sure it may have been in the Washington Post because I do read stuff online as well. But it was talking about some of the training that journalists receive. And and this editorial actually spelled out in a curriculum. It said it's more important to steer people to the proper point of view than it is to impart the truth. And I feel like that's one of the biggest problems in all of journalism, mm. television journalism, you know, radio, uh, and, and it's certainly in print that, and, and it's certainly true where I live. And you could ask a lot of people on the street why they don't take the paper and that's what they'd say back. The proper point of view. So first yes. of all, so who decides that? Who decides, <laughs> you know, and we just finished talking about gate, the gatekeeper you know, which is the person that impacts a lot of what people see, you know, that I, that idea of a gatekeeper. We just talked about that in class. So yeah, who's making that decision? I don't, yeah, I would not, that would not be in my curriculum at all. Now. But I'm just saying there are, there are people that are teaching journalism that way. Oh no. And they're turning people out like that because I'm telling you, they work out here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I I just want to say too, that, you know, I am a person that even though I have a lot of conservative viewpoints and I, uh, you know, I do make a lot of my decisions and, you know, my values stem from a biblical worldview, but I have a teachable spirit and I actually want to read things that are not in agreement with me. Not so, I mean, maybe not everything. Cause I do want to have a, you know, what do you call a filter? I don't want to let so much evil in that. I don't know what is truth and light, but in terms of, you know, like, I don't know, maybe I'm getting off into a rabbit hole here, but I, I want to have another perspective presented to me, but I, I'm so frustrated sometimes because I just wish I could go to the truth store and, you know, buy information that was solid and reliable and objective. And I, I think it's very difficult to find that now. So you bring, so you bring up truth and certainly the word truth is in the SPJ Code of Ethics, the Society a professional journalist, code of ethics, um, seek the truth and report it. But the idea of truth, I think, is interesting because I think truth is different from fact. I think truth can change depending on your worldview. Your truth could be different from my truth. Now, what we want to do is seek the truth backed up by facts and, and find it. And, and, and let me just say, I was being a little facetious when I say that we should write stories, you know, 
in 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 mainstream newspapers about Jesus Christ because we know it wouldn't happen. But I guess my I guess my question is, should we not should we not be um, ignoring our truth, our Christian truth, our familial truth, whatever that is? Um, well, so I feel, oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say in the way we communicate in, information. Well, even I, would say, I would say even in the way that we behave and as much in what we say and also in what we don't say, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I have a really good friend. She's very outspoken. And she says, the older I get, the more I realize I should never miss an opportunity to keep my mouth shut. And- <laughs> Sometimes that is a godly thing to do, but, you know, by the same token, I do believe that, you know, I probably had some missed opportunities in terms of when people, you know, presented a certain darkness to me in the newsroom that maybe I should have stood up for God's agenda. So I'll mm-hmm. probably have to, I may have to do some extra repenting now that we brought this issue to light over the weekend. But I do think that that's what's called me. And I'm sure this is true for you. You know, having been surrounded by that journalistic background, that we can work in a, you know, a higher sphere and that we can communicate more of this good news and and just in different ways. And, you know, it's more of, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche and maybe even a little patronizing that, you know, that we're God's journalists, but I, I like to say that we're spiritual scribes and that, you know, the kinds of things, the information that we're imparting will just have a longevity that, you know, yesterday's newspaper never could. Amen. You know what? That is perfect. And I think we're going to wrap it up with that. That is such a great way to end the show. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. Um, Everybody, go check out her books, uh, The Side Door, The Trap Door, and The Vault Door. They are available wherever you get books. Please check out her podcast, His GPS for your SOS. SOS. Yeah, I always want to say my because I'm like looking for it. Right? <laughs> it's, it's all about me, but for your for your S- so SOS. Oh uh, and uh, and you know what? And Cindy does a lot of great video on social media, uh, a lot of really great encouraging, inspirational vid- uh, video. So so check that. I'm always telling that I admire her for that. So check that out as well. Cindy, thanks so much for appearing on this show. You know, I'm not exactly sure where God is leading the show. I just I am beginning to see more and more people who were either journalism or journalism adjacent now understanding that it's important to speak the word of the Lord. And I just think that's so exciting. So thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I look forward to many episodes and hearing from uh, our fellow journalists and friends.